بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم قال الله تعالى في محكم كتابه الكريم وقوله الحق وهو أصدق الصادقين أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم ألف لام ذلك الكتاب لا ريب فيه هدى للمتقين الذين يؤمنون بالغيب ويقيمون الصلاة ومما رزقناهم ينفقون Exactly 12 years ago the news of the nomination of President Barack Obama as the Democratic nominee for President of the United States of America sent shockwaves to the entire world. Could it be that for the first time in history, an African-American was going to become the president of the most powerful country around the world? Was it possible that an African-American man with not so much experience in politics was going to become the commander-in-chief of the most powerful army? Many powerful individuals, many powerful countries, many powerful groups did whatever they could in order to defame him and discredit him, in order to bring him down. Soon after the news, the entire world woke up one day to learn that Barack hails from a Muslim background. His middle name is Hussein. He potentially could be a Muslim. Of course, President Obama appeared in the front of the entire world telling them that he was not a Muslim.
Their campaign did not stop there. They said, well, now that he's not a Muslim, things are even worse. Because Muslims will view him and will see him as an apostate. And Muslims, they're out to kill the apostates. While many individuals were engaged in this useless, shameful discourse, very few, and I really mean very few individuals, came out and said, well, so what if he was a Muslim or he is a Muslim? So what if he hails from an Islamic background or a Muslim background? So what if his middle name is Hussein? He's a good person. He's going to be a good president. That's all we should care about. Brothers, sisters, friends, I'm certainly not here to examine and analyze the presidency of Barack Obama, especially to an audience far away from the United States. Neither are about to engage in a political sermon. But what I want to make clear this evening is that this barrage, this campaign of hate-mongering and hatred, defamation, of Islamophobia is not new. It existed then, it continues until today. And it actually existed from the very first day of the establishment of the religion of Islam. As soon as Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam came forward to call on to the Arabs in the Arabian Peninsula قُولُوا لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ تُفْلِحُوا to believe that there is no God but one, the one and only Allah, the creator of this universe, the merciful, the compassionate, who created all men equal, an Arab and a non-Arab, a white and a colored man, are all equal in the eyes of God. This was not something that the Arabs then were used to, nor they appreciated. Therefore, they came to make a deal with Muhammad. This 40-year-old man who was well-respected, people knew him. He was from the lineage of Abraham. They went to Abu Talib, his uncle. They said, Abu Talib, tell your nephew Muhammad, if he wants money, we'll give him money. If he wants fame, we'll give him fame. If he wants to be married to the most beautiful woman in Arabia, we will offer him our daughters. But he needs to stop preaching this message. 
We cannot give up our idols. We have a business. Mecca is a hub. For people to come from all over the Arabian Peninsula, there is trade, there is business. Our idols are put in jeopardy by his message. Abu Talib goes to Rasulullah. He says to him, this is the message. I am just a messenger. And you all know the famous response from Rasulullah. Ya Am, If they place the sun in my right, and they put the moon in my left, meaning they give me the entire universe. For me to stop propagating the message of God, I will not do so. So then he was faced by campaigns of defamation. One day they said, Muhammad has lost his mind. He's gone insane. Another, they said he's a magician. That did not work. They created a torture house in the middle of the city of Mecca. Whoever became Muslim was tortured, was beaten, sometimes killed. And you all know the stories of the torture of the parents of Ammar. Yasir and Sumayya, Bilal. However, they realized that such campaigns are effortless. They don't mean anything, they're meaningless. So a man by the name of another Ibn al-Harith, he gathered the most powerful individuals in Mecca Abu Sufyan Abu Lahab another Ibn al-Harith himself Walid Ibn Utbah and they decided that they're going to involve the entire Arabian Peninsula in this matter so they sent or they chose a representative an ambassador from every tribe and there were 25 tribes and they included the Christians and they included the Jews and they included the different minorities that lived in the Arabian Peninsula let's constantly plot against Muhammad let's constantly plot against this Quran and then a part of history of Rasulullah being in Mecca this man, another Ibn al-Harith, who was the mastermind behind the entire campaign against the religion of Islam, said to them, so far whatever we have done hasn't worked. What do you suggest? He says, I suggest that I travel to the Roman Empire, and I travel to Persia, and I meet scholars, and I meet storytellers, orators, I meet politicians, I meet religious leaders, and I learn from them, and I learn their stories. I learn about their history. And I come back to Masjid al-Haram. Every time Muhammad begins to read the Quran, and people gather around him to listen to him, I'm going to be telling them of my stories of the Roman Empire and the Persian Empire. 
and I'm going to distract people. And that's exactly what they did. When he returned, they created an entertainment center, almost like a cinema, where he would sit as soon as Rasulullah would begin to read the Quran, he would tell his audience of stories right next to the Kaaba. And as soon as he would tell them an exciting event, an exciting story, they would start clapping. And Allah says this in the Quran. He records this incident within the Holy Quran. Many people believe that the difficulties of the Muslims were only in Mecca. Indeed, Rasulullah and his companions saw extreme pain in Mecca. Until Khadija, Ummul Mu'mineen Khadija and Abu Talib died and they passed away and they moved on. The angel Jibra'il comes to Rasulullah. Peace, meaning Allah, sends you his greetings and his peace. Oh Muhammad, your two aides, your allies, have died. Leave Mecca. Migrate from Mecca. And Rasulullah loved Mecca. Until that point, the religion of Islam had survived on the wealth of Sayyida Khadija and the support of his uncle Abu Talib. When Rasulullah was informed that he's ought to leave the city of Medina, the city of Mecca to Medina, he needed to make a decision. Is he going to leave his home, his birthplace, go somewhere where it's going to be completely new to him, to his companions, to his family? He seek the counsel of Jibra'il. Some people say, well, how lucky was the Prophet? He could seek the counsel of Jibra'il. And Jibra'il has the knowledge of the unseen. He's connected to the Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is unfortunate that we, me and you, we also have the ability to seek the counsel of Jibra'il and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In a book that sits in our vehicles, in our homes, on our shelves, the Holy Quran, Kitabullah. Kitabullah, Al Quran, Al Majid, the glorious Quran, that we sometimes treat as a book that is dead, not alive. I mean, you wouldn't go to a graveyard and you wouldn't stand in front of a grave and say, well, what do you think I should do? We treat this book as if it's a book that's dead. 
However, Amir al-Mu'mineen wa Mawla al-Muwahideen Ali ibn Abi Talib sallallahu alayhi says to us, inna al-Qur'an hayyun lam yamut. Qur'an is alive. It will never die. Wa innahu yatajaddadu kama yatajaddadu al-laylu wal-nahar. And it renews itself like days and nights are renewed every single day. وَإِنَّهُ لِآخِرِنَا كَمَا لِأَوَّلِنَا And it is for the very last of us. As sweet, as meaningful, as insightful as it were for the very first of us. So we also can engage with the Holy Qur'an. Rasulullah consulted Jibra'il. Jibra'il says to him, Ya Muhammad, Ya Rasulullah, the only way this mission is going to be victorious is if once again you have somebody to stand with you and aid you, to support you. Who is that person? That person is no other than Ali ibn Abi Talib salawatullahi alayhi. Tell him to sleep in your bed. Another ibn al-Harith and the 25 tribes, as you know, they had decided that they're going to barge into the bedroom of Rasulullah and execute him. And of course, Quraysh wasn't able to go after 25 tribes. Rasulullah says to him, Ya Ali, this is the message from Jibra'il. Rasulullah was about to sacrifice what he loved the most. And that was the life of Ali ibn Abi Talib. Imam Ali was then firm in his response. Ya Rasulullah, I would be more than happy. I am delighted and thankful to Allah that he has chosen me to sacrifice my life for you. After the migration occurred, brothers and sisters, many people believe that this was the end of the trouble for the Muslims, for Rasulullah. Indeed, I believe it was the beginning. The battle of Badr, the battle of Uhud, the battle of Khandaq or Al-Ahzab were the most rigorous, most dangerous, most lethal days in the history of Islam. To a point where Muslims themselves, they doubted the prophethood of Rasulullah. They doubted the survival of the religion of Islam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Holy Quran states in regards to the battle of Uhud in the third year after the Hijrah. Muhammad is a prophet and a messenger of God just like Abraham, just like Noah, just like Moses and Jesus. If they die, their message continues. When the call in the battle of Uhud came that Muhammad had died, many of the Muslims not only threw their weapons, not only ran away, some of them for three days, some of them literally went back to Jahiliyyah. 
immense pressure. Their iman and their faith was constantly being tested. While they faced the most difficult of their days, and listen to this, this is very important. While they faced the most difficult of their days, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also gave them the greatest of gifts. Because sometimes when we go through difficulties, when we go through tribulations, we don't realize that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alongside our difficulties will give us the greatest of rewards, the greatest of gifts. Therefore, you find this period was the period in which Allah revealed the longest chapter in the Holy Quran, Surah Al-Baqarah. The longest chapter in the Holy Quran with the most meaningful, most beautiful lessons Allah revealed during this period. And in the entire chapter, chapter 2, the cow is summarized in the verses that I began my lecture with, the very first three verses. The whole chapter is summarized in them. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alif lam mim. Thalika al-kitab la rayba This book that you have, the Quran, don't have any doubt that it comes from Allah. It's connected to the Almighty God until today. Many of us, when we want to seek advice in our lives, when we want to make decisions, we don't go to the Quran. We go to others, we go to experts, we go to Google, we go to YouTube. Amir al-Mu'mineen, let me say this. When he describes the Quran, he says, He's the guide that will never take you astray, the Quran. And a friend that never lies. And a navigation that will never mislead you. Do you have a friend that never lies? Or a counselor that always gives you the best of advice? A navigation that always delivers you safely your destinations in life? Amir al-Mu'mineen says, مَا جَالَسَهُ أَحَدٌ إِلَّا وَقَامَ عَنْهُ بِزِيَادَةٍ وَنُقْصَانٍ If you spend time with the Qur'an, quality time with the Qur'an, you leave with an increase and a decrease, an increase in enlightenment, an increase, an increase in guidance, an increase in knowledge, and a decrease. This, those are the words of Imam Ali. And a decrease in Confusion, uncertainty, ignorance. Alif lam mim dalika al kitabu la rayba fih. Hudan lil muttaqin. It's a guidance for muttaqin. Who are they? Alladina yu'minuna bil ghayb. Those who believe in the unseen. Wa yuqimuna salat and establish salat. Wa mimma razaqnahum yunfiqun. And those who give from the rizq that we have given them. Now you know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us different kinds of rizq. Some of us, Allah, His biggest rizq for us, for example, is our intelligence. For some, it's their height. They end up becoming 
basketball players, for example. Some know it's their wealth. Some it's their children. Some it's their dignity. Some it's their influence. Allah gives us different types of rizq. But the idea is that they give for the sake of Allah from that rizq. Allah says to the Muslims then who are going through this tribulation in Mecca, in Medina, that the greatest of your tests and what's going to allow the religion of Islam to survive is you giving from that which Allah has blessed you with, from that rizq. That is why once again, Islam survived on Khadija and her wealth, the influence of Abu Talib, and then the role of Ali ibn Abi Talib and his infaq. His infaq, his giving fi sabilillah. How did Ali give fi sabilillah and his infaq? He slept in the bed of Rasulullah. In the battle of Uhud, Badr, he gave, put his life on the line. In the battle of Uhud, similarly, he put his life on the line. In the battle of Khandaq or Al-Ahzab, you all know the entire Muslim community within the course of history knows that Rasulullah said the statement about Ali. The strike of Ali on the day of Khandaq is greater than the worship of the Thaqalain, the ants, humans, and jinn. One strike. Rasulullah says all of Iman has gone to fight all of shirk. Rasulullah also understood that his mission will be successful alongside the infaq of Ali ibn Abi Talib from what he loved the most and that was his life. The mission of Rasulullah was completed because of the infaq of one man next to him being tested alongside Rasulullah. And I published this couple of, I believe today or yesterday was published on my platform on Instagram. A hadith from Rasulullah that's mentioned and we mentioned the sources obviously. We're trying to give you the sources. Ibn Hajar al-Asqalani, Ibn al-Kathir, Ibn al-Athir, those reliable sources speak of the moment that Rasulullah said, Inna waladi hadha, this Hussein, yuqtalu bi'ardin fil Iraq, yuqalu laha Karbala, he will be killed in a land of Iraq, in a place called Karbala. فَمَنْ شَهِدَ مِنْكُمْ ذَلِكَ فَلْيَنْصُرْحِ Whoever is a witness to this must aid him, must support him. And he says, Husaynun minni wa ana min Husayn. Again, the infaq of Hussein, the infaq of Hussein was what aided the mission of Rasulullah. Gave victory to the mission of Rasulullah. What gave victory to the Imam and the mission of Amir al-Mu'mineen was the infaq of Fatima al-Zahra. She gave. And you all now are understanding the concept of giving. 
The giving of the Ahl al-Bayt is unmatched. وَيُنْفِقُونَ الطَّعَامَ عَلَىٰ حُبِّهِ مِسْكِينًا وَيَتِيمًا وَأَسِيرًا إِنَّا مَا نُطْعِمُكُمْ لِوَجْهِ اللَّهِ مَا نُرِيدُ مِنْكُمْ جَزَاءً وَلَا شُكُورًا It is the giving of Amir al-Mu'mineen, Fatima al-Zahra and Imam al-Hussein, the legacy of the Ahl al-Bayt that allowed the mission the message of Rasulullah to continue and survive. And similarly, the message of Imam Al-Hussein, the uprising of Imam Al-Hussein, the day of Ashura also needed infaq, giving. And the person who was willing to do that, was the son of the man who slept in the bed of Rasulullah. Who brought forth for him the victory in Badr and Uhud and Khaybar and Khandaq. It was the infaq and the giving of his son, the son of Amir al-Mu'mineen. Abal Fadl al-Abbas, Qamar al-Ashirah. Many people, brothers and sisters, in battle, they lose their hands. Their, their hands are amputated. Because you fight with swords. You fight with your hands. But why is it that Abbas, out of all those people, he has this grand position? One day, Al-Imam Zainul Abideen, listen to this hadith. Today we are here to understand the value of the giving and the infaq of Abu al-Fadl al-Abbas, the generosity of Abu al-Fadl al-Abbas. Imam Zain al-Abideen, he was sitting and he saw the son of Abu al-Fadl al-Abbas, Ubaidillah, Ubaidillah ibn al-Abbas ibn Amir al-Mu'mineen, the grandson of Amir al-Mu'mineen. فَخَنَقَتْهُ الْعَبْرَةِ فَاسْتَعْبَرُ the riwayah says, he began to cry. And he said, The greatest, the most difficult day upon Rasulullah was the day of Uhud. On that day, the day of Uhud, his uncle, his beloved, the Lion of Allah, the Lion of Rasulullah, was killed and martyred. Then he said, وَلَا يَوْمُ كَيَوْمِ الْحُسَيْنِ عَلَيْهِ السَّلَامِ But there is no day like the day of Hussein. إِزْدَلَفَ إِلَيْهِ ثَلَاثُونَ أَلْفًا Those are the words of your Imam Zain al-Abideen. 30,000 men came to him. Izdalafa ilayhi thalathuna alfa. Kullun yataqarrabu ila Allahi bidabah. They all seek nearness to Allah and His blood. 
فقتل وسبي حرمه he was slain and his haram his household were taken as captives then he said rahimallahu ammi al-abbas may allah have mercy on my uncle abu al-fadl abbas faqad athara بنفسه لأخاه. He gave himself. He gave himself for the sake of his brother and his imam. Now listen what he says. حتى قطعت يداه. Until his hands were amputated. فعوضه الله. Allah. Gave him instead in Jannah. فعوضه الله بجناحين يطير بهما في الجنة with two wings in Jannah. Now listen to this. This is what I want to talk about. وإن لعمي العباس درجة في الجنة يغبطه جميع الشهداء. Allahu Akbar. And for my uncle Abbas, there is a position in paradise where all the shuhada, all the martyrs, beginning from Adam until the end of time, will be zealous. There's no jealousy. There's jealousy. They'll be zealous of Abbas in paradise. What is this position? Why? Just because he had his hands amputated? No. Because Abbas ibn Amir al-Mu'mineen played the same exact role for Hussein as his father played for Rasulullah. I want to sum it up in one sentence. Abbas to Hussein was that which Ali was to Rasulullah. And we read this in his ziyarah. We say, Ashhadu laka bitasleem wat tasdeeq. The ziyarah comes, which comes to us from a ma'soom. I'll just take one word from the ziyarah. I witness that you had the position of tasleem to Imam al Hussein. Submissiveness. Complete and utter submissiveness to Rasulullah, to Rasulullah, the son of Rasulullah, al Imam al Hussein. Just like Amir al-Mu'mineen submitted to him in Badr, in Uhud, in Khaybar, when he wanted to sleep in his bed in the Hijrah. Never questioned him. Never. And just like Rasulullah, listen to this, Inform the Muslims, and I just gave you the reference, that Hussein will be slain in Karbala, that this is the future of Hussein, that Hussein is going to defend the religion of Islam. He's going to be the reason for the survival of the religion of Islam. And people knew this. On the day that Ummul Banin, Fatima al-Kilabiyya, 
gave birth to Abal Fadl Abbas. Traditions say Amir al-Mu'mineen, he was sitting with some, his, some of his companions and having a conversation, the news reached him. He stood without notice. He went, he took this baby. He was wrapped. He immediately opened the wrap. He took the hands of this baby and he began to kiss his hands and weep and cry. Fatima al-Kilabiyah says to him, Ya Amir al-Mu'mineen, is there something wrong with my son? What's happened? Amir al-Mu'mineen informs her, Umm al-Baneen, there is nothing wrong with your son. I am crying because those hands will be amputated. When? How? For the Nusra of Sayyid al-Shuhada, Al-Imam Abu Abdullah al Hussein. Fatima, Umm al-Baneen, was delighted. My son is going to aid Hussein. Allahu Akbar. That's something to be proud of. And Abu al-Fadl was taught this from an early age. As he was a young boy, as he was growing up, that he had two masters above him. They were not his brothers. They were his mawla and his masters, Al-Hasan and Hussein. And he never referred to them as brothers. He knew all along what his mission was. That he was going to give the infaq fi sabilillah. They say that when the janazah of Imam al-Hasan al-Mujtaba salawatullahi alayhi went to Medina, you all know the story, and they hit the janazah with arrows. Abu al-Fadl al-Abbas drew his sword that day. He knew he was there to defend Ahlul Bayt. Imam al Hussein says to him, Sabran ya akhi ya Abu al-Fadl. You have to be patient. This is not your day. This is not your time. Abu al-Fadl never questioned. Never said why. He gave. Because he was in a state of taslim, and I am so proud of our community, our global community, of the lovers and the followers of Ahlul Bayt, the muhabbin of Al Muhammad, who also take their teachings from Abul Fadl, from Amir Al Mu'minin. If it wasn't for the infaq and the sacrifice of individuals like yourselves, majalis would not occur. Azadari would not take place. Arba'een would not be a success. The entire world today would not know Imam al-Hussein. Because we understand the importance of al-infaq fi sabilillah. To give. And to give from what we love the most. While some people, they love Allah when it's comfortable for them. You know, 
We love Allah when we need Him. When we have a problem, we cry, we make dua, we ask Him. But when Allah needs us, and Allah doesn't need us by the way, we are tested when the cause of Allah is in need of assistance. We're tested, we're put to a test. There, we find the true students of Abu al-Fadl al-Abbas. The true students of Abu al-Fadl al-Abbas are the ones who are willing to send their children, their husbands, to defend the shrine of Sayyida Zainab, Al-Imam Al-Hussein, Al-Askariyain. What's money? What's my time worth? If I have dignity, if I have influence, if I have wealth, what is that even worth towards the Ahlul Bayt and the cause of Al Muhammad? And I have to say, brothers, sisters, my friends, viewers, I am so proud of a special group of people. And I said this the first night, allow me to take a couple of moments. The khuddam of Imam al-Hussein, whether they are here, whether they are, you know, the ones in the mawakib, whether they are the ones picking up the shoes, cleaning the bathrooms. And you see today, you know, we all have eyes, we see it's hard, it's cold, it's raining. You see all those brothers, they come to serve you, they give you water, they respect you, they honor you. You're the guests, they are the hosts, they are your khadims. That's something beautiful. That is beautiful. That is the true essence of infaq fi sabilillah. Not to hold back when it comes to Hussein. Not to be greedy when it comes to Hussein. To show generosity to the cause of As-Siddiqah al-Tahira, Fatima al-Zahra salawatullahi wa salamuhu alayha. A man came to Rasulullah. He said, Ya Rasulullah, I have heard that you said, if we give fi sabilillah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will return that wealth to us. He does not take it away from us. Is this true? And he was a Bedouin man. He didn't know how to read. He didn't know how to write. This is his form of communication. Rasulullah said, yes, this is in the Quran. Man the man said, Ya Rasulullah, I have two bistans. I have two lots. I have two gardens. I would like to give both of them fi sabilillah. Right there and now. Rasulullah said to him, Keep one for yourself and give one fi sabilillah. So this man, he gave one to Rasulullah, he shook his hand, he left, he went to his wife and his children. And they were in the better garden that he had given to Allah, and the better one. The one with more fruits, the bigger one. Because sometimes we give from things we don't need. When I have a fridge that's not working, when I have, you know, pocket, um, uh, change in my pockets, I empty them because they take too much weight, no. His wife was there and they were eating from the dates. He said, please stop, put the dates down. She said, why? He said, because this bistan, this garden now, this farm belongs to Allah. You know what his wife did? 
She went into the pockets of the children. She took out the dates, making sure we don't touch anything that belongs to Allah. We leave that here. This belongs to Rasulullah. Today, many of us, we know. The wife knows very well that some of the money in their accounts, in their pockets, belongs to Allah, belongs to Rasulullah, belongs to Imam Al-Hussein. But I guess that is the test. That's a test. Are we going to be happier? Are you, my dear sister, going to be happier if $2,000 are given for the sake of Imam Al-Hussein or $2,000 are spent to buy you a brand new Louis Vuitton purse? Let's be honest. Allah says if you give me Sabil Al-Hussein, the ladder will come. And we all know this. Imam Al-Hussein doesn't need us. Look at the wealth he has. But we are tested just like the individuals were tested by Hussein and alongside Hussein. And tonight is the night of Aza. I don't want to take so much of your time and a lecture. Imam al Hussein left Mecca, not Medina, Mecca with 1,500 companions. And they decreased and decreased and decreased in number. The eve of the 10th of Muharram, 72. Why? They knew who Hussein was, by the way. They knew he is the Imam. They knew he is Sayyid Shabab Ahlul Jannah. The Kufans, the people of Kufa also knew. Some of them, some of them, they cried when Imam Al Hussein gave sermons. They literally sat on the floor. And they wept and they cried when Imam al Hussein came to them with his Quran, with the Amama of Rasulullah. They knew who he was, but they chose their comfort, their leisure, and specifically wealth, wealth, money over Hussein ibn Ali. Money over Hussein ibn Ali. It's as simple as that. People, who were fighting over who's going to burn the tents of Hussein? They knew Hussein, but they were fighting over money. Who's going to have more money? Brothers, sisters, one day they will put us on the muqtasal and they will strip us from our clothes. If you have you know, your car keys in your pocket, they'll take out those car keys. Doesn't matter if it's a $2,000 car or a $200,000 car? It will no longer belong to you. How many properties you have? One? 10? 20? They will not belong to you. Your bank accounts will not belong to you. Now they all belong to others. Just like before you, they belong to others. And after you will belong to others. And you will face Allah just like the day you came to this dunya. Maybe on your tombstone they'll write your name, your title, where you came from, your achievements. Maybe individuals, people will say. But when you go to Allah, you go to Allah just like the day you came. You'll only take one thing with you. يَوْمَ لَا يَنْفَعُ مَالٌ 
ولا بنون إلا من أتى الله بقلب سليم. On that day, nothing will help us. On that day, our children that we count every dollar and every pound and every penny to give for them and to leave for them, they will not be willing to take one sin from you or give you one of their hasan if you believe in the Quran. The only thing that will accompany you is your amal. And that day is the day of regret. Why didn't I do more? Why was I not given a chance? But I believe that throughout history, our community and the lovers of Hussein have always and at all times given their labbaik. They have given their labbaik, Ya Hussein, and they will continue to give their labbaik to Hussein. And there is no way that a bajlis of Imam al Hussein, a gathering of Imam al Hussein, a aza of Imam al Hussein, would not be a success, would be left in debt. That's unheard of. Our community, our people are willing to give everything they have for the sake of Al Muhammad. Why? Because we are the students of Abu al-Fadl al-Abbas, the son of Amir al-Mu'mineen. Tonight, brothers and sisters, tonight, if you want to cry for Hussein, tonight is the night that you cry for Abu Abdullah. If you want to cry for the camp of Sayyid al-Shuhada, tonight is the night that you cry for Sayyid al-Shuhada. Tonight is the night of solidarity with the women and children. Tonight is the night that Sahib al Asri wa Zaman, Al Imam Al Mahdi Ajjalallahu Ta'ala Faraja, says, There isn't a single majlis where the aza of my uncle Abel Fadl Abbas is recited and I do not take part in. Allahu Akbar. Let us begin the Aza this evening. There's only two more nights left. Please bear patience. Let us do justice to the Aza of Abu al-Fadl Abbas. Let us begin this Aza by a tawassul, a tawassul that was taught by Jibra'id to Rasulullah that every one of you know. Because the tawassul to Abu al-Fadl al-Abbas begins from his father, Amir al-Mu'mineen. Because he was the son of Ali. He was disciplined by Ali. And he was the gift of Ali ibn Abi Talib to Hussein. Nadi Ali Those who are sitting at home in their 
living rooms with their children, don't remain silent. Raise your voice at home, wherever you may be, even if you're sitting by yourself. This is the identity of every Shia. Nadi Ali This is what Hussein said in battle. This is what Ali al Akbar said in battle. This is what Abel Fadl said in battle. And this is what every Shia says in the time of difficulty. Nadi Ali Oh, 
Oh, no. 